0: If you will, open up your Bibles to where? I want to find out who's flowing this morning. James, the fourth. I knew you guys were going to be there. Fourth chapter, and we're going to look at a couple things. We're going to talk about effective prayer, and we're going to talk about how to get results. And results doesn't mean God says no or whatever, meaning where you get answers to your prayers. And uh, there are different and various types of prayers or ways to pray. Uh, We are going to look at different ones, because if you use the rules of basketball for football, you're not going to get results. If you use the rules for hockey to play, you know, baseball, uh, you're not going to get the same kind of results. You with me? You may score every now and then or make a basket every now and then, but if you don't use the right strategy, you could get it wrong. Are you with me? But the reason why God wrote these things in the Bible is so you could get it right. And so there are different ways to pray. And sometimes people think prayer is prayer, and that if you pray, it's kind of all on God, uh, and if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't happen, well, that was just uh, how it was supposed to be. It was kind of like I rolled the dice and it didn't land right this time. But next time, maybe I'll roll the dice and, you know, I'll hit the right numbers and God will be in a good mood. I'll have done good enough and, you know, he'll, I'll get it. And do you know that having a lot of those ideas actually probably uh, hinders some people from even praying? Well, I'm not good enough, and they're looking at themselves, they're not even approaching prayer correctly. And here's what you need to know about prayer. Prayer is not a religious activity, though every religion in the world has the activity of prayer. Are you with me? But why pray if things don't happen as a result of it? Why? Is it to put on a big show for somebody else? Do you know when Jesus was on the earth? He said some people pray for that very reason. He said they pray in religious services or in the temple or before people just to be heard from people. Not to get an answer to prayer, but like, I'm spiritual. Are you guys not spiritual? And God said he, Jesus said God wasn't even connected with that. So we we shouldn't make our prayer life about, you know, people knowing, hey, I prayed today. Our prayer life should be about results. Period. And I mean, that's not being egotistical it's actually being biblical and so if we don't get any results then we have to look why are you with me and do you know the bible will help us to know how to have effective prayer lives and you know the bible actually touches on this very thing how that some people would get prayers answered and some wouldn't and and it gives explanation so we're going to talk about a certain aspect of prayer today, but we're going to start here in James, the fourth chapter, since I gave you a chance to get there. James, the fourth chapter. Notice I keep growing in wisdom. I didn't tell you the verse. You said, why didn't you? Because that way you were listening and not reading. James 4, verse 2. Now we can read together. You desire and you do not have. You murder and covet or strongly desire and cannot, notice this, cannot obtain. You fight and you war. In that life, people fight to get other countries. They do all different kinds of things. People fight to get ahead. They'll put other people down, you know, and talk bad about people. They'll cause strife, and they're trying to move up in the world. And he said, this happens, he said, yet you do not have because you do not ask. In that interesting, he said, there's a lot of ways people try to get things, but one reason why people, not the only, but one reason why people don't get things is because they don't ask. Could we have more if we asked for more? I've met people that were people who love God, but said, I just don't want to bug him. He's so busy. But he said right here, that kind of thinking will cut you off from having more because you don't ask. You don't ask. So an avenue to walking in things is asking. So think of it this way. If God didn't want prayers answered, why would he tell you to ask for something? Well, I don't know. He just wants to see if you'll be obedient. No, I couldn't even imagine that. That's not how we see it from a Bible standpoint. He said, you don't have because you don't ask. Boy, right there, that, that would tell me, I think I might want to up my prayer time. And not for the sake of going, did you pray for an hour? I prayed for two hours. No, it's about not having because not asking. And then what's interesting is the very next verse. He said, You ask and do not receive. So he said, You don't have because you don't ask. Now he's saying, People are asking but are not getting. And he didn't say, and you never know what's going to happen. No, he went on to tell them what was hindering them from getting an answer. He said, because you ask amiss, or we would say it like this today, you're asking wrong. You're asking wrong. You, you're not approaching correctly. And he said... Because you ask amiss or you ask wrong. And so you could say this, then that would tell me that God says you can ask and not get an answer to prayer. But God's telling us, here's what would short circuit it. So, and if he's wanting you to get prayers answered, are you with me? There's no reason to pray without getting an answer to prayer. None. Well, maybe there is, but the majority of time, why are we asking? Why are we talking to God? Now, I understand prayer is, can be just simple praise, and so we're not trying to get anything. We're just giving adoration to God. But when he tells us, and we're, there's tons of scriptures about prayer, and here he said, you ask... Or you don't have because you're struggling to get it. So if you would ask, you could get. But when you ask, if you don't ask the right way, you won't get. Well, why would he tell you that? So you could start asking and straighten out how you ask. Are you with me? And that may seem foreign, but there are tons of scriptures. John 15 tells us if his word would abide in you correctly, then you would ask appropriately and you would get answers to prayer. And so we're going to look at these things. And here's the thing. You can come with preconceived ideas, but be open to what God's word said. If we're as stubborn as a mule, we'll keep hitting the same wall and keep getting no results when God doesn't want that and it's not on him. Are you with me? And we're going to look at this. God wants you to have effective prayer. He does. That's why he gave us the governing principles or rules. Are you with me? To prayer. So I want to make a couple of statements. Prayer is not always trying to get God to do something. Let me say that again. Prayer is not always trying to get God to do something prayer is often this, recognizing that God has already done something. Now this may not make sense, but when I explain it from the Bible, you'll recognize it. It's not always trying to get God to do something. My prayers are not trying to get God to do something. It really is recognizing often what God has already done. Now that doesn't make sense because most people equate prayer to what they see happening out here. What they're experiencing. But prayer is often, is, is the result, or should be approached this way. That God has already done something. When Jesus died, he already did something. And this is a fundamental mistake people can make in prayer, and I'm sure I have at times. But as you see in the Bible, that there is stuff out in the spirit realm. There is a heaven, there's a hell, there's angels, there's demons. There are mansions being prepared for people. There there are accounts in heaven that have stockpiles of everything every person would ever need and they're already to that person's account. I'll prove that from the Bible. They're already there. So if I'm trying to get God to do something uh, but it's already there and it's already real. It's already real there. And God has already really given it to you. Here's an example. Christ died for everybody. So for the forgiveness of sin, the new birth, eternal life, has actually already been put to everybody's account. They don't have to say, God, I need you to do this. As a matter of fact, he just said, you have to receive him. Why? Because it's already paid for. You're not trying to get God to forgive your sins. He's already put that to your account. In other words, you don't have to talk Him into it. And it's not so much about God as it is about you. Because God, the Bible said, demonstrated His love toward humanity when He died and paid for everything. So He already has an attitude of love toward humanity. And he wants things uh, to be walked in. And it's already there. Are you with me? And so that approach to prayer will make a huge difference. That there are things that are real in the Spirit. And we're going to look at some of these different things. But one thing is, is this thought of it's already there changes the fact that instead of trying to get God to do something and start working on your behalf, like, I better be good enough. I, may, I need to pray hard enough right now. Mm, I've been spending a lot of time praying because I'm trying to get God to do something and he's up there going, I already did something. So could I be asking amiss And he said, if you ask and don't receive, there is a chance you may be asking wrong or approaching the situation wrong. I'm trying to get God to do something. And if I could hear him talk and I can through his word, he would say, I already did something. And it's real in the spirit. Here is a famous verse, Mark 11. But we're going to look at something. And like I said, sometimes you can read a verse... And overlook the obvious. Overlook the obvious. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Jesus said, Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, so whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them And you will have them. How many of you have heard that verse before? How many of you probably could loosely quote it? You know, a lot of people. But there is something that's there, and you may see it, but I think if we point it out, it will help you. Notice this. Therefore I say to you, whatever whatever things you ask, or whatever things you ask, When you pray, and now this is Jesus instructing how to pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road today. People are going to have a choice of meat on their tacos This is going to get real deep. You can go all one kind. You can put your order in and say, I just want chicken. You're allowed to do that. Or I just want beef. Or I want this kind or this kind. Now, I'm not trying to be too profound, but just enough. You can't receive it unless it's already there. Until it's there, you can't receive it. You can't receive it unless it's there. If I say, I'm giving everybody $1,000 today. I haven't even checked how many thousands I've got in my pocket. I have $1. (laughs) Um, Let me say this. You could pray as hard as you want, as long as you want, but only one person will be able to receive $1. Because you can't receive what's not there. And so often people are praying and looking here in the natural instead of looking what's in the Spirit. What the Lord has already provided when Christ died and rose again. And so, you know, we're hindered because we're thinking I'm trying to get something when really what we're doing is just appropriating what is already yours and is already real in the spirit realm. Full salvation, deliverance, protection is already there and it's yours. You don't have to talk God into it. One thing that I find interesting about this verse of Scripture about prayer, notice it doesn't ever mention God. But you know who it does mention? You. And you know who it mentions again? You. And you know who, what else it mentions again? You. Your desires, your wants. But you can't notice this. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them you can't receive what's not there notice you have to accept what he's already paid for are you with me everybody's okay everybody's live just trying to help we read this verse before in when we talked about uh the real you or the new you, but I'm going to look at it one more time in Ephesians, the first chapter, because this will help us to understand. Ephesians 1, verse 3. He's writing to believers, and he's talking about what Jesus did when he died and rose again, and how he gave every believer an inheritance that's in the spirit realm. Notice verse 3. Of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, not he's going to, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Whatever you need is already there. When Jesus took stripes and said, By his stripes you were healed. Well, you could be sick here, but it's actually there in the, in, in the Spirit. You could be uh, tempted, but there's freedom. All that is there in the Spirit to walk in. And often people are trying to get God to do something, but we're not always taught that He has done something. Are you with me? What did God do after He did all the work on the earth? He rested. He he stopped working. What did Jesus do? You know, he, he sat down. He rested. What did Jesus do after he died and rose again? He went and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He already did something, he already provided. If you will read the New Testament, you will find it is often telling us what Jesus already bought and paid for. Now it may not be a reality in our lives, but it is a reality in the Spirit. And we could get a hold of it if we would recognize what we need here is really there. I know for me, when I wasn't walking with the Lord, I wanted to be satisfied. I was dissatisfied. I was a Not uh, didn't have the best attitude. I was always upset with everything. and just had a temper problem. And I was miserable, and I know I made people miserable. Are you with me? Somebody might say, you still make people miserable. It was worse. (laughs) I'm just saying. But people can be like that, and if you could really pin them down, they're miserable. They're just a miserable person. You know, a Christian should not be a miserable person. They shouldn't. And when I received the Lord, that totally changed. And it wasn't that God one day when I said, Jesus, I receive you, he went, everybody snap to it, we got to do a major work. Here's that guy that's all goofed up. We need to help him. We need to satisfy him. No, it was already to my account. Jesus had already died. He had already risen. He had already provided it. It was real in the spirit. When I prayed and said, I receive you, Lord. I wasn't talking God into doing something. He had already done something. 2,000 years ago. And he wasn't trying to withhold it from me. He's not trying to withhold anything from anybody, so to speak, in this avenue or this way. And so I asked. And man things changed. Why? Because I was good? No, I was not good. I mean, I was on the list, I was on Santa's naughty list. So if I was on his, you know, you'd think you don't get from God either, but God had already supplied it. And so I asked, and he willingly gave. It's like this. If If you're praying and not getting, you need to really know what is already yours. Are you with me? Prayer, you could say, is almost like an ATM. I know that makes it sound crude. But you can't get something out of an ATM if it's not already there. Isn't that true? I mean, if you've got a billion dollars, which we all do, in the bank, spiritual bank. But in the, if we had it in the natural, we would not be expecting the bank to do anything. Would we? We wouldn't get mad at the bank if something didn't come out. We would think that I punched the numbers right. But we would know, I've got this. Before I see it. Are you with me? Now, I know it's mine. It's not seen. But I've read about it in my bank statement. But there's the problem. What if I haven't read my bank statement and somebody put something in there that made me rich? In the Bible, if you read on, he prayed that people would see what their inheritance was. That means we automatically don't see what we have. So I could be, I could get mad at God. Why aren't you doing this? And, and it's not an issue of him doing it. It's him, he's already done something. I can go down and protest at the bank and say they they're mean down here, they don't, whatever. And they're like, but if the money's there, you have the code, you push the buttons. We're not going to come out and do it. And you can't just go stand at the cashier's thing and go, you've got to ask intelligently and say, I want this amount. And they say, well, what's your account number? What's the scripture you've got? And it's not telling you because they're trying to withhold anything. You just have to make a demand. And you're not making a demand of God. And you're really not making a demand of the bank, so to speak, either. It's just there. You're just operating in it. Right? I mean, I do the drive through ATM all the time. I wonder if God is a lot more like that. You know, you ever go to the, the grocery store, and you're just going to get what you're going to get? And you put your card in there? And you know what I often ask you? Would you like more cash back? Oh, no. Hey, but if it's in there, you can take it. I wonder if there's times we pray and God's like, is there anything else you want? Oh, no. But we have not because we ask not. If it's already there, then we can partake and it's not a sweat on God. But the issue is people think it's a big sweat on God like he has done nothing and there is nothing already there and we're just trying to squeeze something out of him like a turnip, you know, and trying to get some turnip juice. You know how good that is. But you you are responsible to push the right buttons and to know what's in there because you may, you know, go, oh, I can't do that. How many have done that before and thought, I can't take money out of that account because there isn't the money in there to take it out? And sometimes that may be true. But when it comes to God, how important is it to know? Because he is our Father, and He has put things there, and they are really there. Notice this verse, 2 Peter, to prove these things. He said, it's already to your account. He already has blessed you with it. That doesn't mean you're experiencing it. That's why he went on to explain the things he did after. He's in, in Ephesians, because he said, you have an inheritance. You have a calling. He said you have authority. But they weren't walking in it. But he wanted them to. And he wasn't saying, I'm going to do this. It was real in the spirit. And it was to their account. It belonged to each one of them. All of the believers. Not a special select few. Are you with me? So here, in Peter, there is this same exact thought. Second Peter one we'll begin in the first chapter, in verse 2. Grace, or God's ability, and God's strength, and peace, or God's peace, be multiplied to you. Well, if you started hearing you have an inheritance, and God's already put this to your account... I'll tell you what, that can mean more peace. It's already there. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Notice the next verse. Well, I'm going to read it in a different translation than the New King James because I've got it. By His divine power, God has, which means not He's going to, it means this has already happened. He has given us everything we need. Somebody said, if He's given me everything I need, how come I don't see it? It's because All things that are in the natural start in the spirit. Even when a person dies, they have a spirit part of them, and it goes somewhere. Are you with me? Spiritual things are the eternal thing. This earth is only temporary. And we have to be mindful that when we're getting answers to prayer, we're taking something that is already there. When we introduce somebody to Jesus and reach out to them, we're asking them to receive him. But I've never had like a Jesus Barbie, you know, or a G.I. Jesus, and like, you need to receive this. And they're like, thank you for G.I. Jesus. I'm saved. And they're like, my life is so different right now. No, it's spiritual. Jesus is a spirit. When he was in the earth, and right before he left, he got caught up out of their sight. He exists. And so when somebody receives him, they're receiving something spiritual. And we all that have received him know that once you get him in you, things start changing. Things start working. When you acknowledge that there is something in you, once you've received him, it starts becoming active but how many people don't acknowledge what's in them because they don't feel it and they instead of acknowledging that there is something there that's spiritual that will affect me emotionally and affect me physically and affect my whole life we say well I don't know where the lord is today and then the minute we start sensing them, we're like whoa god's moving he's moving When that's not how we would approach the ATM, I've never gone up there and gone, Whoa! Money's coming out! Whoa! 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 Everybody, look what I just got when I walked out. (laughs) They're like, okay. No, because it was already there, we should expect then that we're going to get it or experience it. But people don't pray that way because they don't realize it's already there. So when we pray for the sick, we're not trying to get God to heal them. We believe that it's already there. We just don't see it right now. So then I don't have to go backwards and go, well, you don't have your healing. We can say, I do have my healing. And and when Jesus prayed for people, he never gave them a bag of healing. They received. Because it was there before they saw it. Is everybody okay? Yeah. Let me finish reading this. I'll start over, verse 3. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Whatever you need to live is success in this earth. Spirit, spiritual things, soulish, emotional things, physical things, relational things. He's already provided it. It says we have received all of this by coming to know Him. In other words, it's the same type of thing. When you gave your life to the Lord, this was all put to your account. Whether I withdraw it or not, it was all put to my account. I can go to heaven and not have partaken of anything and had little or few answers to prayer, and I'll still get there because I received the Lord. But according to this, When you came to believe in Him, you have a massive inheritance. Notice this. We have received all of this by coming to know Him or when you came to know Him or you could say when you got saved. The one who called us to Himself by means of His glory and excellence. This tells me that, that I've already got a lot of money in my spiritual ATM so to speak or a bank account. Are you with me? Turn to Luke 15. Luke 15. We're gonna read a story. Most of you will know this story uh, and have heard this. Um, And I'm going to read through a number of verses, but, but think of it this way when we read the story. I'm going to tell you which one it is. Luke 15, it's the prodigal. Anybody remember the story of the prodigal child? And really, even my Bible has a note above it. It says the parable of the lost son. But now let's read verse 11 and see if it's talking about the lost son or the son who's not walking with the Father, or the son who's not walking with... It's a picture of walking with God. Let's see if that's all it is. Here's the first verse. Jesus is sharing this. I believe it's a perfect picture of prayer. Or an interesting one to look at. Notice the very first thing. Then he said, a certain man. So this is not a parable. This is a certain man had two sons. So is he talking about one son or two sons? Two. Now the little note up above that says the parable of the lost son or the parable of the the prodigal son, whatever you have written above that in your Bible, Bible translators just put that in so you knew when you're reading through, oh, that's where this story is. But that doesn't mean that's inspired by God. Because Jesus, the very first verse, says two sons. The note up above says one. So we're going to look at the two sons. And this is a picture of something to show us how God the Father is to people. Verse 12 says, The younger of them, so he's going to talk about the younger one first said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In other words, he expected, he believed he had an inheritance. So he divided them to his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, or gathered together, all together, all that inheritance, you could say, and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. I mean, he was partying, he was doing whatever, because he's got the goods, he's got the riches, he's, he literally is being wasteful. It's interesting because prodigal living literally means wasteful living. Well, that's real interesting because that doesn't mean you always have to be out there to be a wasteful liver. Or wasteful living. Not that you can't use your stuff to enjoy life, but sometimes people just have habits that waste and don't bring certain returns. But that's a different sermon. Or idea. But notice, but when he had spent all... And, it, and if, when we read, you're going to see he must have had some money when he did this. There arose a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. You know, it's interesting uh, how circumstances in the world can compound things in people's lives. You know, how many things have been compounded in the earth today because of the pandemic and the pressures? You know, I, I told this story about a neighbor two doors up. I was getting ready to go to the store. It was later at night. It was about nine something. I had been praying. I was sitting on my couch and I went to stand up. And inside, I was super constrained. Like, don't go to the store. And I was like, why, Lord? You know, I've said things out loud without, if you were with me, I heard something inside and I've said it out loud. And And uh, I remember sitting down Then I thought, well, I should be able to go to the store. I stood up and something in me, it was like it pushed me down. And I was like, what's going on? And I could sense something and I was like, is there going to be like bullets or some kind of like, is there going to be a robbery there? And I'm like, well, I'll just go to a different store. And I knew, don't. And I'm like, And it just seemed like a shooting. I'm like, okay, uh, then I don't need to go to any store because I don't want. Maybe the bank robber's going to go from that store and go. I'll go to this one, and and I don't want that. And it was so strong. I I sat back down in my seat, uh, on the couch, and I was like, this is this is odd, Lord. And I'm like, well, I know you want to protect me. And about 15 minutes later, there are just. I could see headlights, and I live in a neighborhood where there aren't street lights, only on the corner it's kind of darker, and I'm like, why are all these lights? And I could hear noises, and I'm thinking, this is weird, and then there, there's lights on the other homes, and I thought, this is not normal, so I looked, and I went, man, there's fire trucks, there's loads of police cars. They're doing well, a wellness check on the house next to me and mine, and what's so wild is this guy, I guess because of all the pressures of this time, he took his own life and shot and it went through the wall. I'm thinking, praise the Lord, I wasn't driving. But how many things can be... Well, anyway, not a good situation. But the thought being is this, how much did all the pressure of what's going on compound something that was already there? And that happened with the prodigal child. There was something already there, and then the circumstances changed, and it just added pressure. Because he was cruising down the wrong path, as it was, but then you switch some things up, and what was already there, man, pressure. Isn't that interesting? The famine came and made it worse. And there was a famine, verse 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. In other words, he got a job from somebody there. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything isn't it interesting? This guy had lots of money and was spending it everywhere on everybody. You know, sometimes people think, "Man, I got all these friends and they're spending their money on them." Some of those people are not your friends. When you run out of money, you wonder why. Where'd all my friends go? That's called a leech. just they're being selfish and you think, well, you know, I gave my life to the Lord and I realized there's some of those people I hung around with I've never seen since. This dude's got Jesus? Okay, that's enough. Others were like, we'll be your friend, but be careful. You know, they didn't understand what was going on. It wasn't like we hung out, but some of them just were like, whatever. But it was because before when I had all this stuff, they were getting a free ride. Woo, hallelujah. And these guys, he runs out of money, and nobody said, Hey, dude, I remember when you were giving me some money and helping me out. They didn't say nothing, nobody helped him. He's eating pig food. Are you with me? Slop. And then it says, verse 17, but when he came to himself, in other words, he's like, what am I doing here? He came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father's, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he arose, and so this is his thinking. I'm going to go back, and I don't need everything, but a servant there is going to be better off than where I am. But the father, or you could say the picture of God, had a different idea. But when the father saw him, you know, from afar off, he had compassion. And he ran. And he fell on his neck. And he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned. Prayer is talking. Isn't it? Talking to God. Here he's talking to his father. He said, I'm, you know, in his sight, he wasn't, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, he answered him to his servants bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. That phrase, a ring on his finger, doesn't always mean today what it meant then. You know, one famous person, Sings about put a ring on your finger. Now, I'm not going to do the whole <laughs> stuff because it'll get people running out of here real quick. Co- or maybe you invite somebody. Maybe I should do that. But that doesn't mean what it meant back then. Back then, when a king or a ruler put a, or, you know, or somebody with authority put a ring on your finger, it was like having an ATM card. And you got to use their account. It was authority. It's what you would melt wax and put the stamp and said, this is approved. If you had this ring, you know, you had authority where that ring was involved. And so when he put it there, he basically said, I've got everything is going to your account. You're going to be able to access stuff now. And it's a picture of a, of a person coming back to God and walking with God. And and then verse 23, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, so he's telling his servant, and let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive. He is lost and he's found, and they began to be merry. They are like, yes, this is awesome. So this is a picture of prayer. A guy approaching God, humbly, who doesn't know him, gives, you know, surrenders to him, doesn't expect much, but just how God is, had a party. How many people, when they got saved, it was a party? Man, the experience I had. But now you've been saved a while. you still got the ring on your finger. And it ain't from Beyonce. It's from God. You belong to Him. You have an inheritance. Now let's read on. And we're going to close with these thoughts. Notice this. Now the older son, verse 25. So remember, it's a story of two sons. This is the second person. The first person prayed. Now the father's about to teach him a lesson on prayer. Now the older son, or communicating, was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. I don't know if they had tap dancing or what it was, but they could hear it. He's drawing near and he's like, Wow, there's a party. So he called to one of his servants, you know, as he's approaching and asked him, Ask these things and what they meant. What's going on? And then verse 27, and he said to him, Your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, meaning the father, your father has killed the fatted calf. Man, he's we're having a party and you're not even here. You're not experiencing it. So obviously the older brother is going to be quite thrilled about this party, but it says he was angry. The first kid gets answers to prayer, but the one that's been there for a long time doesn't get. He's angry with what this guy has received. I'll tell you what I've been serving God for 20 years. And they come and they've been serving God a week. Tell you what, I'm way better than them. I pray all the time. I'll tell you, I work harder than them. I, that, that, that wasn't flying. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. God started dealing with him. So he answered and said to his father, the father's pleading with him to come in and partake in experiences and he's like, ticked off. But aren't they praying, talking? He said, lo lo, these many years I have been serving you. This is the, the committed Christian. Not the one who's been out there living like a wild animal, filthy animal. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. You know, I'll probably talk about praying, how we're told to pray in Jesus' name. You know what he's doing? He's praying in his own name. I serve you. Don't pray in your own name. It's got no standing. What did you do to put something to your account? He did it all. He did it all. He said, I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet, you, you, how many people have prayed and said, what's wrong with you, God? And if we're looking at this as prayer, we've already seen it's not so much about God because he's already put things to our account. You never gave me a young goat that I might be merry with my friends. In other words, you didn't have a party for me, but as soon as this son of yours, not his brother, this son of yours, this other Christian, not that we're part of the same body, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. So this dude's out there with prostitutes Of course, God would never answer it. Oh, he did. And devoured the livelihood with harlots. He was living a party lifestyle. And you killed the fatted calf for him when he came back. There's a party waiting for people who are in the world, and they think it's out there. And it's in here. And with the Lord. And he said to him, Son You are always with me. He recognized, I know you're walking with me. But then he flips the table and he said, And all that I have is yours. But if it was his, why didn't he have it then? Because it was his. And what is his, is his responsibility. You can't receive what's not there. And he said, it's already yours. So this guy's been working hard for his father, but he had this massive inheritance, and it was all there. All he had to do is take it himself. That's why when you pray, you're not trying to get God to move. You're accepting what's already yours. That's why you need to know what he already gave you. And this father said, all that I have is yours. And then he said, in other words, you could have had your own party. And as often as you wanted or whenever you wanted, it was on you. So answers to prayer are more on us than they are on God when we learn what he has already done. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. Notice we. Him and them. For your brother was dead, but he's alive again and was lost, but now he's found. Well, the interesting thought about this prayer is whatever thing you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you'll have it. But you can't receive what's really not there. But once you find out it's there, it's up to me to go to the ATM and make a withdrawal. But if you don't think it's there and you're trying to get it, then where are you making your withdrawal from? But if you recognize it's really there, you can partake. Is what you need really in the Spirit? It is. But you don't know what it is unless you know what's in here.